Movies and Booze. I'm Moncrief on News Talk. Yes, it is uh, time for Movies and Booze. 53106 is our text number that will cost you 30 cents. You can follow us on Twitter or send us an email to afternoon at newstalk.com. On this day week, uh, we'll be doing our next of our outside broadcast at Movies and Booze. It will be Movies and Booze. There'll be some guests there as well. But this one, as I was saying earlier, is a little bit different. It's in County Wexford. It's in Hookhead Lighthouse in County Wexford this day week. That's the Friday of the 16th of September. So obviously a fantastic location. will be overlooking the sea. But what's slightly different about it, it's quite a remote location. It's down the end of a peninsula. There's no public transport. So if you would like to come... Uh, you'll have to get somebody to drive you there for all the obvious reasons. Also, the second thing to remember is that because it's a lighthouse, there's no lifts or anything like that. There's something like 80 stairs uh, that you will have to climb. So you'll have to keep that also into account uh, if you'd like to come along. Uh, if, you, if you're able to overcome those two obstacles, so to speak, or you can get someone to actually carry you up the stairs, that would be even better. Uh, you can text us in to 53106. That will cost you 30 cent. Give us your name, where you are in the country, plus also a reason uh, why you'd like to come along to that particular uh, outside broadcast because places will be rather limited. So 53106, that will cost you uh, 30 cent. This week, though, we are joined by Arlene Hunt, Fanula Jones and Jean Smollin. Good afternoon Hello, to you all. how are you? Hello. Hello. Hi, there, you uh, there you are, Fanula. I was just making sure you were there. Uh, so, Jean, what are, we, uh, what are we talking about this oh, week? OK, well, before, before we're going to be looking at Posh Prosecco, Valdo, Marco Doro Prosecco, and we're going to look at a really gorgeous red wine from Saint-Emilion from the um, right bank of uh, Bordeaux. But um, now the kids are back to school and there's loads of wines events, but there's also loads of wine sales on at the moment. And the ones to look out for, we have Super Value, have a sale of French and German wine sales running till the 21st of September. Look out for their Albert Glass Chardonnay. Oh God, that was gorgeous. I loved it. 12 euro. Dunn Stores have a French wine sale running till October. 11th with 20% off all French wines. They have the Pale, Chateau Lichin, Sasha Lichin, who did the Whispering Angel. It's called the Pale, obviously, because it's not Provence, it's outside. And um, it's off piece, so it's half the price, but it's actually the same style of wine as Whispering Angel. So it's worth looking out for. And it's on sale in Duns at 1280. So that's a great bargain. And then O'Brien's have their annual September wine sale. And the star pick from them is the Gabbia Vino Verde, which I loved. Low alcohol, only 8.5% from Minau in northern Portugal. It's, um, you know, if you're watching your alcohol intake, good, you know, and it's got a little bit of CO2 in it. Lovely fresh wine. You know, th- th- there's lots of super wine. So this is the time to go out and get, get go looking to see what's in the shops, you know. Uh, and the two movies today, Arlene, uh, one's a quite serious documentary. One's a little bit strange. Uh, would that be fair to say? A little otherworldly. Yes. Yeah. OK, so uh, t- start with the otherworldly one after Yang. Is it, is it set... In the future, is it? Yeah, it, it, it's in. It's definitely in the future. It's a slightly futuristic world. If you think about um, iRobot and things like that, it's that yeah. sort of style of of, of era. Um, and it stars Colin Farrell. Uh, it stars uh, Jodie Turner Smith, and it is a really, really interesting look at grief and AI. Yes, if you blend those two okay. things together. Uh, all right, uh, and uh, the territory. Now, this is. Yeah. Um, we actually have a saying this. We did an item a couple of weeks ago that a fella died in uh, the rainforest in Brazil and he was from an uncontacted tribe. But his entire tribe had died. Yeah. He, he was I, the last one left. He, that's the guy who digs holes in the ground and he. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And, and, they he, found, and they found So him he's dead. actually connected to this tribe oh, in really? this. Yeah. He, he would have been one of their 
remote cousins, so to yes, speak. Yeah. And uh, he was one of the last of, of that particular branch of this particular tribe in, in this in the territory. And the territory it deals very much with uh, the tribe called the Uru'u Wawa. And they are 200 strong at the start of this uh, of this uh, movie. Um, this is before tragedy besets them and before COVID hits them. So they're, it's, 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 you know, they're, they're struggling to survive as it is. So but mm. then they have a lot of uh, farmers who are trying to encroach upon what little land they have left uh, and they don't get any sort of legal uh, support. They don't get any sort of media support and they're really, really struggling just to contain their, their life in the Amazon. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. And uh, yeah, one gets the impression that there's a kind of a, almost a feeling of doom about that documentary. It, it's, that. it's a diff- It's not an easy watch, I have yeah. to say, but it's, I think it's really important, especially with the summer we've just had with the heat and the mm. drought and everything else. You know, as one of the young guys in it, he says, you know, that, that they're the stewards and the guardians of the lungs of the world. Yeah. And I just think that's so poignant and so and so true. Uh, it's yeah, it's amazing that you know people who probably don't have access to smartphones and and twenty four hour news cycle they're aware of it. So you know, uh, right? Uh, so Fanula, uh, now this does this kind of a thing at film festivals that they time how long a standing ovation lasts for, and therefore that's some sort of indication of what its future success is going to be. Essentially, yeah, I'd love someone to look into the data on this, like whether the number of minutes like corresponds with actually how well it does at the box office. So if anyone's into graphs or anything or data, please email me. I'm extremely interested in that. Um, But with respect to this, we're talking about Blonde, which I think I talked, I spoke about a couple of weeks ago because it's Anna Darmus. She's playing Marilyn Monroe. Uh, It's a different kind of look at her life, maybe a more sympathetic look. Um, it just got its world premiere at the 2022 Venice Film Festival and it got a 14 minute long standing ovation and it was bawling, crying, obviously, uh, at the result of this. So we were when we were kind of talking about it, we were there was a lot of critique around her accent because she wasn't really doing, you know, Marilyn's signature breathy vocals. Uh, her estate have come out and defended the casting. So maybe we were judging this a little bit too soon if this 14 minute long standing ovation is anything to go by. Yeah, because it was, it's it's not, yeah, as you were saying, it's not like your classic Marilyn. It's almost like a reimagining of her. Yeah, I saw, I, I can't remember specifically where the review was from, but they were talking about, like, it's a, if they were to compare it to, like, a pig watching the slaughterhouse from the pig's perspective, that's the comparison they were using, okay. that it's just way more like, what were we doing to her? How were we speaking about her? Everything like that. I do think it's going to be very interesting, and to be honest, where I was kind of reluctant to engage with this after the trailer, I'm much more into it now. This is coming to Netflix. I think it's next month um, and it'll be available globally. So I'm much more intrigued now. If this is anything to go by, it could just be, you know, as we said, sometimes these standing ovations, they don't really mean anything. Like, don't worry, Mm. darling, got a four, six minute standing ovation. And the reviews for that have not been good. So it could mean nothing. Right. Okay. That yoke with Harry Styles in it where they're all fine. Is that is that the film you were talking about there? Yes, that yeah. is the the film the Florence Pugh Olivia Wilde. Did he spit on Chris Pine? Apparently he didn't. Just I mean, I want the documentary on that. I don't actually ever want to see that movie now. I'm so bored by the discussion around it. I saw that there's gonna be I just saw press release. There's some other film with Harry. It seems like a production model now. You just put Harry Styles in it, no matter what it is. Uh, and yeah, you know. what I, it's something. My policeman. Yeah. Uh, I think is the title. 
a kind of more intriguing concept where he's playing this gay man, I think, and hiding a relationship, which I suppose is interesting because he's constantly after having to answer against, you know, allegations of queer baiting to fans and everything like that. I don't think his performance is being particularly praised and Don't Worry Darling. Anything that is being praised, it's Florence Pugh. Um, she's out acting them all, apparently. So I don't really know if he's going to be getting many more gigs after this. Now, I oh. am still intrigued. I'll wait and see and I'll watch them before I make any judgment. But yeah, he might have to sing to the stick to the singing, I think. Wasn't he in some the end of some Marvel movie? Can't he was you. in... He's in Dunkirk and he's in, I think he's in The Eternals. One of the Marvel people will correct me now. I haven't seen The Eternals, but he is. He's Thanos' brother, I think. I have no idea how good he was in that. Again, I'm sure. He was only in it for three minutes, I think. just, hello, I'm wearing a coat. When you say queer baiting, what does that mean precisely? Uh, I suppose it's kind of pandering to an LGBTQ audience without maybe making clear and profiting from them, I suppose, without ever really making clear whether he's a part of the community himself. He spoke about it kind of more in detail a couple of weeks ago for a piece for Rolling Stone magazine. He just, he kind of won't, it's a difficult one, right? Because no one should be forced to come out. And Hmm. if he does, if he's not ready to come out, that's completely fine. I don't think anyone should have to. Maybe he's just straight. But that's the thing as well. And I suppose it's like, he's kind of never, gonna win in that regard like he's never and i mean how can we criticize him for wanting to make his shows and his space more inclusive if he's straight that's grand he's not saying you know he's so welcoming to the lgbt community community at his shows and among his fan base it's kind of it's a difficult one as you said it's kind of like if he is straight so what if he is lgbtq so what oh is that i wonder is that just because based on the clothes he wears I think there's a bit of that, but then it, I suppose the conversation got broader when he was cast in this movie because it's uh. like that's where I think things get a little bit more eyebrow raising. And I suppose he's had kind of plenty of opportunities to talk about it in a meaningful way or to be honest, just to be to say, look, as of right now, I identify as a straight man. I'm obviously in a heterosexual relationship, etc., etc. But yeah, it's a complicated one, I think, Sean. Much more complicated than I'm even willing to tread into, I think. Right, OK. Uh, I was hoping you'd provide us with a definitive answer there. Uh, uh, right, and, and The Handmaid's Tale uh, has been renewed. Now, good news, bad news, I suppose it's it's a final season. I think that's the good news. I think it is. Uh, yeah, it's coming up to its sixth and final season ahead of the season five premiere. I think it's coming over the next few weeks. Uh, yeah, season six is going to be the final season. Uh, and there's going to be a sequel, though, for anyone who is dying to see it or will be missing it so much, The Testament. Uh, it's going to be set years after the events of The Handmaid's Tale. Uh, Bruce Miller confirmed it at the premiere for season five this week and basically said, so in a true honour to tell the story of Margaret Atwood's groundbreaking novel and chilling in chillingly relevant world, we are thrilled to bring viewers a sixth and final season. As you said, I think this is the right time. Now, I will say earlier views for season five are very positive. They're kind of saying it's a return to form, but I don't really know where else they can bring this story. So Mm. definitely the right call is supposed to dragging it out. Yeah, yeah, I kind of agree. I hope uh, series five is a return to form because it was quickly losing interest in the last series. I don't know if I even finished it. Yeah, I didn't. I, I It's one that I keep meaning to come back to because there is some promise there and Elizabeth Moss is so strong. Mm. But it just, it really did start to lose me in that last season. 
Yeah, because as a, you know, a, a white man, I can tell you there's only so many ways you can oppress women. They've explored them all, really. Uh, <laughs> without repeating themselves. Uh, no comment. No comment. Uh, so, Jean, what wine uh, will okay. we have first? Let's start with the Prosecco. This is the Valdo Marcadoro um, Prosecco. Uh, it's got a retail price of €25. Euro. Uh, it's pretty posh Prosecco. You'll get it in uh, Wine Online, Kelly's in Vernon Avenue, uh, Dwan's in Knockline, Martin's in Fairview, the Wine House and trim independent off license now I was really lucky I, I, I was invited up by the Merchant Hotel in Belfast to, to go up to the Valdo dinner um, last week and it, they held it in the banking hall which is the main dining room of the hotel 19th century the head of uh, the Ulster Bank head office in the 19th century where the tellers used to work mm. and it is the most incredibly ornate room you know but my sister who, who who's a bank as well assures me that there's all the banks you know there's the AIB in Cork is the same and there's the hotel there in the city centre in Westmoreland Street which was formerly a banking hall and is now incorporated in a hotel so you know it, that, that it's, that's what's happened to a lot of these people but it was an absolutely beautiful room but what, what happened was uh, David David Rocada who is the winemaker at Valdo was it was a you know a gala night they have a Prosecco month going on there at the moment and there's still if you go to my website jeansmullen.com there's still events going on to the end of the month but the high point of it was this gala dinner with David David sorry Ricardo, who's the winemaker. But actually, I mean, Prosecco is everywhere and it's probably the most popular uh, sparkling wine. I'd, I'd say now 80% of all weddings will serve Prosecco rather than Champagne. You know, it's very much the sparkling wine of choice for any celebration. But what I found, and, and, and you know, Prosecco is Prosecco, Prosecco, and I've been there quite a few times and I didn't think there was anything new to learn about it. But what's happening now, and particularly with... Um, wineries such as Valdo, they're starting to reinvent themselves. They're starting to create new styles of Prosecco. And I mean, the one we have here is the basic um, the Marcadoro is your entry level Valdo Prosecco. But we, we had a Cuvée de Bois, which means cow, I think, in, in Italian. And what it is, <laughs> I can't pronounce it. It's B-O-J, yeah. but it's also, it's vegan and it's organic. But what they do is Glera, which is the grape they use to make Prosecco, they're blending in 20% Chardonnay that's been okay which really gives, like even mm. though it's tank fermented, it really gives a bit of um, depth and dimension to the wines. And I mean, apparently under the DOCG laws, this is allowed. The other thing they had was um, Method Classico, Prosecco, where they have the second fermentation in the bottle. Mm. Um, now, that was that was my wine of the evening. That was called the Numero uh, 10 Methodo Classico. That was absolutely amazing. So these are things that are evolving in Prosecco that I think are very... Now, they're not going to be cheap, but it just shows how the quality end of things are really starting to emerge and evolve, which means Prosecco is, is always just a light, fruity, sparkling wine that's fermented in a tank and then bottled. Yeah. But it's really making... An, something new, something, you know, new dimensions to it. Um, and they were absolutely brilliant. They really, really were. Now, Valdo has been owned by the Bala family since 1938. So it's a very, you know, very well-known house. So what you have here is, this is tank fermented, Clara. Um, this is very fruit forward. What I what I loved about this, there's lots of ripe red apple flavours in it. I think this is a very good example of a premium um, Prosecco. And, um, you know, you get your your kind of your 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 lovely almost acacia flower or floral aromas coming through on the nose, and when you try it, there's a lovely kind of 
Red apple flavor, fresh light. This is why people love, people love the fruitiness of Prosecco. Mm. As against Without, the acidity. But it's not cloying, though. No. That sometimes that can it's be the case, but not in this. crisp yeah. and fresh. Yep. So, Valdemar Oro and in the independent off-licenses. Okay, how much is it? 25. 25, okay. All right, fair enough. Uh, okay, uh, someone says, uh, how on earth did people stand and applaud for 14 minutes? I get bored after about 14 seconds of clapping. In fact, when I was four, I asked my mum to take me home from the circus because my hands were sore from clapping. <laughs> oh, God, that's childhood trauma. Uh, so, uh, Laura says, uh, has Jean tasted any of the Brad Pitt's Miravel wine? I heard it's delish. Any idea where to get my hands in it? I'm in Dublin. Yeah, Miravel is available. It's 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 rosé, similar to the Sasha Lachine Whispering Angel. They're all of the, you've Domain Art, you've Miravel, you've um, Whispering Angel. They're independent off-licenses will have them. They they don't come cheap, I'm afraid. You know, you're, you're talking... Uh, at least 30, 40 euro a bottle. It's Provencal Rosé, which means it's made in a bone dry style and it's very much, uh, it's very fashionable wine. It's the sort of wine, you know, if you have it at your dinner party, everybody will think you're really cool. That's that's the way it okay. is. But it, it is a cheap, yeah, but Miravel is very good. It's it, he, he works with a Bordeaux producer and it, it's, it, you know, they, they make the wines and, but he's invested a lot of money and it's something he actually was very active in developing and he's having a court case with the ex-wife as well about it at the oh, moment. Oh, that's right, yes, because yeah. they, didn't they buy it together? He sold it together. She sold her shares. And now, and now he's him, suing her. No, he's, he's to a Russian and yeah. now she he's suing her and it's it's the lawyers are going to make a fortune out of it. Okay. So she she sold to a Russian oligarch. Yeah. yeah. She sold her share. <laughs> Hell hath no woman. Yeah, given, given, uh, given what we know now, uh, that's anyway. It would be cooler to have actual Brad Pitt at your dinner party. I would say. Yes, right? I think I so. Yeah, the, yeah, the bottle yeah. is uh, uh, the next big thing. Uh, right. Okay. Uh, we do have to take a break. Uh, we'll talk about after Yang. Okay. After Yang coming up after this. Movies and booze. I'm Moncrief on News Talk. I know, love. You miss him. That's you. You just can't see him now. What about the family dance? Are we never gonna dance again? Of course we will. But we might have to compete in the family of threes. I don't want to be a family of three. Mika. I want Kaka back. Daddy's trying his best. He's doing everything he can. I want him back too. Right, uh, the music in the back of that scene is anything but subtle, uh, I would have thought. Uh, Right, so after Yang... After uh, Yang. Who is Yang? Yang is an AI-created syntobotic human form. It's a robot, basically, yeah. Essentially. Yeah, but, but it looks like a but, person. But also has, uh, can decompose, so also has like a lot going on with him. There's, he's completely lifelike. He's right, a, okay. A, like a person. And um, so Jake and Kyra, who's playing, Jake is played by Colin Farrell. Kyra is played by Jodie Turner-Smith, who we hear here in the uh, clip. They're a married couple. They have uh, an interracial adoption. So the little girl they're talking to there, Micah, they adopted her as a tiny baby. She was Chinese. Mm. And so uh, because she's a single child, uh, there's a, um, an, a, an organization called Brothers and Sisters where you can uh, buy 
uh, an AI by a sibling, essentially, mm. for the race of the child that you have adopted so that they connect to their culture okay. as well as growing up. So, yeah. that he, so he's, there's a kind of a running joke all the way through the movie that Yang has like about 40,000 little things to say about Chinese tea or trees or but yeah. it just all little facts and stuff like that. Um, but Yang comes to them as, as a certain age and he stays that age. He doesn't ever age. He doesn't get older. He doesn't get younger. So Tamika, he's always been her older brother and that's it. Like she knows he's a, a robot but it yeah. doesn't make any difference because he's sweet, he's kind, he's he's everything a bro- an older brother would be but he's hmm. got all of the patience because he's pre-programmed to have all of the patience. Okay. So it's complicated. And Jake and Kyra have relied very, very heavily on him to help raise Mika to... Maybe too too much because his bond with her is, is absolute. And whereas Jake and Kyra, you know, Jake runs a tea shop and it's not going that particularly well. And you Kyra don't see that in movies very often. You don't. People run in tea shops. And this is this is and this is his passion as well. Like he talks about tea quite a lot. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, and so his marriage isn't necessarily great. Um, but they enter this competition. There's a competition every week where they every all the all the families who have adopted children because it's a bonding exercise and they all go in with their AIs and they um, they have a dance off basically. Oh. So they were dancing off in the four and they were going up and up and up in the levels. But uh, in this particular dance off scene, uh, they finish, but Yang keeps dancing and it's the first sign that something's wrong. Something internally is going wrong with Yang. Okay. And then Yang completely he he won't reboot. He won't wake up. Uh, so in essence, he has died. Okay, can they not bring him to the Yang store to get fixed? Well, oh. see, this is this is the complicated part about this. So Yang, uh, Jake bought Yang secondhand when Yang, when Mika was a baby. So he didn't mm. buy uh, Yang from the direct suppliers of these particular AIs. He bought him from a second. Now, he's certified, but he bought him from the secondary uh, thing. So he can't he go from back one to one of them. those shops around the back of the ILAC. That's kind of, it, yeah. yeah. Well, basically, <laughs> yeah. His, his, his recovery, his warranty is out. Right. And so he can't go to the... The sort official, of official yeah. ways. So he ends up taking Yang to this kind of backstreet repair shop and sort of plugs him into all of these things so to stop him decomposing and to find out is there any way they can fix him. And while they're doing that, the guy who is a is the repair guy discovers that Yang carries within him spyware, very complicated spyware, very high tech spyware that he's never seen before. And so he sends Jake off to this uh, museum to talk to somebody, his friend there, who actually, it turns out, is missing. And then he ends up talking to this other woman called Chloe, who also has never seen the spyware before, but has suggested that she take Yang off Jake's hands for a considerable sum of money. Okay, dodgy. Yeah. Yeah. And before he does that, uh, Jake asks, can he see the footage? Because obviously this is footage that's going back over his, the the life of his child, certainly, and all Mm. of his life with his wife. And he's very uncomfortable with the idea that there's spyware would have been in their private moments and in their private life. So obviously he goes back to see what this particular information is. And as he does, he discovers the yang that he thought he knew was not the yang that he knew, but a different yang, but a, more like a son than a, an, an AI. Yeah. And it's, it just becomes really, it's when grief suddenly arrives, because up until this point, they're, they're talking about yang like he's you know a robot that's kind of broken down and not working. But when he sees all the memories that yang has stored, Yang only keeps certain memories and they're all really, really connected to love and the family and the emotion and the bond with the little girl and a moment where he and his dad mm. with Jake were talking about this process of making tea and what it meant to them. And, and it's it, it really, it hit Jake really hard then that this creature who had lived in his house up until this point was more than just uh, a robot, it was more like a son. Okay. And so it really hits, it hits all of them very hard. Okay. So is that, if you like, the... the 
inciting incident to the extent of do they try to save Yang or, or, Yang, or are they just dealing with an inevitable they're, death? They're, they're trying to wrap their heads around the idea of death when it, the death is not a human death mm. and the death is not a physical member of, of the family but is a member of the family and has been a member of the family all along and who has his own little secrets and they discover, you know, going through things that Yang has made a friend that they didn't know about. And the friend that he made is also a kind of a, a robot as well. Uh, but she's a clone. And, you know, see, there, there's all these little connectors that they didn't realise that Yang had. And there's all these little moments in Yang's life that he considered so important that he stored them on his memory. And they're to do with like the little girl's development, her first steps, uh, the time she cried and he rocked her to sleep, uh, the time he saw uh, Jake and Kyra cuddling on the sofa and it really affected him and touched him and asked ask questions of him too. So mm. he's AI, but so why are these things so important to him? These are all things that are human connections. Right. So is it a tearjerker? Is that too... Um, Simplistic a way of describing it. It doesn't describe it. It doesn't aim for you to pluck your heartstrings. It aims to ask questions. Okay. Uh, it doesn't do the deliberate sort of. Okay, the background music there does sound very sad. Absolutely, yes. I accept that. <laughs> but it doesn't. It, it's not aiming for the shortcut. Mm, yeah. uh, it leaves it wide open to interpretation. It leaves you wide open to ask questions about what it means to be human, what it means to develop relationships, what it means to to lose something. Or someone, mm. and how do you interpret that in your family situation when there's only four of you? As the little girl says at the start, she doesn't want to be a family of three. Yeah, she wants yeah. to be a family. She was always a family of four. Yeah. How do you explain that to a child? So, were you affected by it? Were you? Yeah, did you I, leave? Yeah, kind I walked of home thinking. thinking a lot about it yeah. because I thought, well, how, how do you explain to a child that their older brother that they are completely devoted to one another? How do you explain to this child that we just couldn't fix him? You yeah, know, it's a yeah. He was out of warranty. Yeah, and I bought him cheap. And then they discovered that because he bought him cheap, that, that Yang had been part of a different family before he bought him. And Yang keeps memories from that family. Oh, gosh. So who, who do you, like, you feel sorry for poor old Yang there as well because he yeah. reboots himself into a new life, but he retains all of the memory and the emotional connection to the family before. Sure, he only worked in a tea shop. No wonder he can only buy a knockoff second-hand one. That's, there is that's an element the of that. He's not doing very well, so he couldn't afford the the the, the Rolls Royce of Yang's. Yeah. So the performances, excellent, superb, really, yeah. really good. It's it, the cinematography is quite detailed in that it stays in three or four or five scenes, so it's almost like a play. Mm. Um, but it's very moving and very. Uh, Colin Farrell is picking some really interesting. Uh, art house movies, yes, you know, like The is. Lobster yeah. and now Banshee as well. Like, and he's, I don't know, he just, he's, he just flourishes in scenes like this, you know, or he's little small movements of his face or his eyebrows or his, even his body. He's just incredible in this. Right. Okay. And this, uh, yeah, because this sounds like a kind of a slow, thoughtful movie. It is. It is. Don't, like, don't, don't go in thinking it's going to be like iRobot or it's going to be about, you know, it's not sinister. There's nothing mm. sinister. The trailer is a little bit confusing because it seems slightly sinister because there's a line in the trailer where uh, Kyra is talking to him and he said to me can I be honest with you and she said oh I didn't realise that you couldn't be honest with me <laughs> and it kind of makes you think of, oh maybe this is something sinister it isn't a sinister thing at all it's yeah. really really it's sort of slow moving and looking very cl- I compare it quite closely to the ice storm right okay you know okay, where yeah. that level of everyone's doing something but what's you know what's going on in the families underneath the shadows yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, actually, that's a very interesting comparison. Quite, uh, quite like the ice storm. Uh, yeah, me too. I love yeah. the ice storm. Uh, right. Okay. So that and and this is in cinemas or streaming? Uh, yeah, or uh, from the twenty third of of uh, September, it'll be out in general release. 
Okay, good stuff. Uh, Liam in sort says, uh, I saw a uh, Snoop Dogg red wine the other day uh, on special at 15 euro. Is it any use? I'm a spicy Malbec man myself, so I don't want to waste 15 quid if it's too soft and fruity. Well, I mean, he's he's making this in America, so it's, um, I don't, I, I just saw something on one of the news feed about that um, yet another celebrity had brought out yet another wine and uh, Snoop Dogg it was in this case. So I don't actually know that much about it, but um, you, you can be pretty sure he He's not making the wine. He's put his name to it. And some they usually do go for very good winemakers because obviously the better the quality of the wine, the more they're going to sell and the more money they're going to make. Yeah. So I'd say, but um, you you know, it's probably okay. Yeah. It's probably, probably okay. okay. Yeah. Isn't a rave uh, about it. Now, I just kind of looked it up there. Uh, it's a blend. Uh, it's a uh, 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 Petit Serrat, Zinfandel, Merlot. Crikey. Oh, that's a pretty good. That is a pretty good. Those those great varieties are very good. Petit Serrat and um, is uh, th- they're actually quite good. Yeah. it doesn't say where 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 it's made, does it? It's California. California. Sixty five percent Petit Serrat, thirty uh, percent Zinfandel, five percent Merlot. Can't see what the rest of it is. Probably yeah. the rest of it is just weed. Yeah, no, that's the, that, that <laughs> means it's I, I, kind I of side. No, that's, that's probably that sounds like it should be quite expensive. Actually, yeah. Yeah, um, well, no, if he's getting it for 15 quid. No, it's a selling it for $15. Right. Uh, I'm looking at it. And so, you know. Yeah. Uh, probably, you find there's quite a lot of residual sugar in it. <laughs> yeah. Residual something in it, uh, I'd say. Uh, right. Uh, so uh, it, there is going to, there's going to be a Breaking Bad prequel. Well, potentially. And actually, when I'd written this, Better Call Saul is technically a prequel as well. Yeah, right? exactly. The guy that plays Gus, Giancarlo Esposito, has said that he's very much open to uh, the the idea of an origin story. So, like, anyone knows him, he's like the fried chicken guy, etc., etc. He's very much open to it. Um, the creator behind Breaking Bad, Vince Gilligan, he said he's kind of, they're in no rush to return to Albuquerque and everything else. But Peter Gould, his partner, said... He's very much open to it. He said, this world is so rich. These characters are so layered. These actors are so wonderful that we'd be crazy not to at least wonder and daydream about what the other possibilities are. Because your man Giancarlo has said he'd love to see how Gus got to where he is. Um, I'd say it's just a case of Netflix, you know, maybe reaching in the pockets and having another conversation there. Considering how well Better Call Saul did, because I know there was a lot of mm. reservations around that, given how good Breaking Bad was. Um, I think people were mostly satisfied with the finale with Better Call Saul and certain people reprising their roles. I won't say in case anyone hasn't watched, but yeah, I would imagine it's a matter of time before we get this particular prequel. So watch this space. And is this, is it clear whether it's just a prequel to, be, uh, to, uh, is it a prequel to Be- Breaking Bad? Is it a prequel to Better Call Saul? How far back in time does it go? Will they continue well, this not... trend so you'll have like Stone Age or people in Tudor times uh, trying to sell I'm... each other crack, EOD crack cocaine? Or, or how does it work? I'm not sure. So I think it could actually end up predating the two of them. Like uh, he was speaking to, I think it was Entertainment Le- Weekly, John Carlo Esposito. And he basically just said he has this yearning inside him. He keeps going back to this story of the rise of Gus and how it kind of fits into the two stories. But he wants to do it essentially before he gets too old. He wants to do it before he's like 90 or whatever. So um, I don't Crikey. think we'll be going back. I w- Now, I would watch the olden time drug making absolutely but yeah. probably not in the Breaking Bad cinematic universe no I yeah. wouldn't say so uh, right now this uh, next story uh, I must uh, warn the listeners uh, if you're probably over 25 you won't understand it uh, uh, Tarantino Miramax are fighting over Pulp Fiction NFTs <laughs> 
Boring. Yeah. Boring. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, he, I, he's basically selling just clips from the movies. Isn't that what he's doing? Yeah. I think I talked about this like last year when NFTs were kind of at their height and every celebrity was flogging them. And again, I'm not getting into the intricacies of NFTs. Essentially, it's digital art, right? And as you said, Tarantino was like said he was going to be selling these exclusive uncut scenes from Pulp Fiction as NFTs. So, like, little clips from scripts specific scenes you know as digital art that people could buy and own themselves the studio buying Pulp Fiction Miramax came back and said look if you're going to do this we're going to sue you because technically we have some ownership over it blah 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 they've since settled their argument because I think they both acknowledge now that the NFT market is not what it was now (laughs) when it was last November aka none of these things are worth anything and now he did end up Tarantino did end up selling I think it was one and it was script pages for the Royale with Cheese scene uh, and audio commentary. And that went for $1.1 million, which makes me violently, violently ill. But the rest of the collection has been pulled. They've cited uh, the volatility of the NFT market and they released a statement this week saying the parties have agreed to put this matter behind them and look forward to collaborating with each other on future projects. So no more fighting over uh, digital pictures, essentially. Yeah, so the volatility in the NFT market it translated means they've just figured out it's essentially a digital version of a photocopy, uh, and people Basically. are giving you a million dollars for that. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, I might. My, I'm yeah. so emotional. My voice broke up when I was thinking about it. <laughs> uh, right, uh, you are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. We do have to take a break. Back in a couple of minutes. Movies and booze on Moncrief on News Talk. Anyway, let's move on to our second wine uh, of the day, Jean. Uh, this is okay. a red. Yeah, this is red. I, we're, we're coming, there's an hour in the month and we start, you know, we, the lighter styles of wine that we tend to drink in the summer, we start to now look for, you know, more robust red wines. And um, so this one comes from Bordeaux, from the right bank. It's the 2018 Chateau Le Grand Clot. Um, it's an AOP wine from the um, appellation Lussac Saint-Emilion. And um, Eli Wine Store in Maynooth, um, they, they, this is one that uh, actually Eric Robinson brings in directly himself and you, it's available either at, at, at eliwinebar.com and they'll do nationwide delivery for you. It ORPs at 25 euro. And just while I'm on subject of, of a quick, quick plug, on the 15th of uh, September, Brian, Ma- uh, Brian uh, Bicknell from Mahi Wines, old friend of mine, gas character. He's doing a wine taste, a Kiwi winemaker. He's coming up to do wine tasting in um, Eli in Maynooth on the 15th of September. It's on my website, jeanswollen.com. Don't miss it. He's brilliant. Anyway, Back to our Bordeaux. This is owned by a young couple called Julie and Matthew Mercier. And they actually spent a lot of time abroad learning how to make wine. Um, they, they made wine in California. Well, not learning how to make wine. They, 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 they sort of developing their winemaking skills in California, Chile, and funnily enough, British Columbia in Canada. So mm. their wines tend to have a kind of a new world feel about it. This is the 2018 vintage, which even though it was quite a hot summer, it turned out to be quite a good vintage. And as the, the winemaker says himself, years ending with an eight are usually very good. So this one is, 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 is a case of that. This is a blend of 90% Merlot and 10% Cabernet Franc. Now, on the right bank of the Gironde, um, Saint-Emilion, the Pomerol, the Merlot is the great variety that dominates here, whereas on the left bank, it tends to be Cabernet Sauvignon that dominates. The thing about Merlot is it's an early ripening grape, so it means there's much less tannin. So they tend to be much softer in style. This has got a 10% Cabernet Franc, just to add a little bit of structure to it. Um, it was fermented in a mix of stainless steel and oak. It's got about 20% 
um, you know, of the trend of the fermentation took place in an oak barrel. What I what I loved about this, the Merlot. First of all, the color is quite is quite developed, even even though it's it's it's, it's what four or five years four years old. The Merlot dominates, and you get those lovely ripe plum aromas coming through on the nose. A t- touch of course down a Christmas pud there. Um, but this is very complex. Um, you've got the mocha and the spice coming through. It is drinking now because it was a very warm vintage but this will go on for a while. Mm-hmm. Now again not cheap but if, if, if you're in for a treat That's lovely though. Uh, it's that is really abso- nice. It's, it's, yeah. it's a very good quality saint Million. and so Eli Wine Store and online at EliWineBar.com. Right we'll move on to our second movie of the day. It is The Territory. Here's a clip. There you go. Uh, Arlene Hunt is here to translate uh, exactly what was being said there. Uh, so, you know, it's, it, it's which part of the rainforest do these people live in? Uh, it's just out. It's it's actually in a central part of, of uh, Brazil. So you've got the 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 cities on one side, the cities on the other side. It's right in the center. Okay. And uh, it, the land was originally had been uh, I don't want to say corralled, but it had been left to the indigenous people. Mm. Uh, and the, there's various different tribes, but the one that we're dealing with here is the Uruawa tribe. They're about two hundred strong at the start. As I said, two hundred strong at the start of this. And they have a, a small village. Uh, they're connected up to smaller tribes in the neighbouring area. Uh, they um, are essentially stewards of, of the Amazon, that but section they of the Amazon. Live there. They live this there. This is their home. This is where they're, yeah. they, exactly, this is where their home is. This is where they look after their animals. This is where they raise their children and look after their elders. They're very communi- community orientated. They're very respectful of their elders. You know, they, they seem to have an almost idyllic lifestyle, uh, you know, for what that they have. Um, but it's being, they're being encroached on on both sides uh, by by the farming industry, mm. and what we're looking at is it's a it's a quite a complex thing because what we're dealing with and the film is very open about dealing with the the type of pe- person who's trying to create a farm for themselves. These are very poor workers who probably work on somebody else's farm and see an opportunity here to have a farm of their own and, and land of their own and tillage of their own. Um, but as the youngest of the the the, the leaders of the group, Bitate says. What happens is they'll start a small farm, but the bigger farms will come in and buy them up. So the bigger farms eventually encroach upon the land and encroach upon the the, the, yeah. the forest. So it's not a simple case of like, oh, well, this, this poor man, you know, he just wants to have a, a three acre farm here. It never happens like that. Um, and because Bolsonaro is the, the president of, of Brazil, Bolsonaro is very against the indigenous people. He doesn't have any mm. interest mm. in their culture. He doesn't have any interest in their rights. He doesn't have any interest in maintaining the rights that they already have. He just doesn't. It's just not a, it's not a factor for him. And because of that, it emboldens the farmers and it emboldens the communities. Um, and there's a couple of scenes in it where one guy in particular is, has built a house on the tribe land. And he doesn't care. He literally doesn't care. He said, you know, this is where I'm going to do it. This is where what I'm going to have my thing. What are you going to do about it? Yeah. And what they do about it is they burn him out. He comes right. back after the weekend and the whole his whole property is burned to the ground, raised to the ground. But he says himself, he'll just come back and build again. because And that's the warring factions between the two. So yeah. it's a push-shove, push-shove the whole time. Um, they do have one a human rights activist, a woman in her like 50s, 
She's incredibly brave. She's incredibly brave. She's connected to the tribes for over 30 years at this point. Um, despised by the loggers and despised by the farmers. You know, they, there's threats against her. There's threats against her adult daughter. You know, but she's super brave and she keeps going again and again and again to the media asking them for help, telling them you have to see what's happening here. You have to see what's happening to these tribes. You have to see the, the encroachment upon the land. Yeah. And so in terms of the story arc, is, is it particularly about that woman or, or no, a group she's of a, people? No, she's a factor in it. She's a, she's a, she bolsters, bolsters up. It's actually about Bitate, who's at 18 when we meet him at the start of the movie. Um, he's a sweet kid. He's just a really, really sweet. He's an 18 year old young fella. Mm. You know, he likes motorbikes and yeah. he's just really sweet. And but because he's kind of sensible, the uh, the elders grant him an elder position, and he's got a, a kind of a mentor called uh, Ari, who he very looks up to. And Ari's thirty three years of age, and he's a handsome, charismatic, young, just a sweet like you could see by him. He's very much loved. But halfway through this movie, Ari is brutally murdered, and it's actually a shock in the in the film. Like you you don't expect it at all. Yeah. He's brutally murdered, and his body is just flung like waste on the side of the road. And the, the authorities don't even bother to investigate it. They're just saying, well, you know, maybe he had an accident. And it's quite clear that he's had a run in with loggers or with farmers. And, you know, but his loss is, is, is astounding to the tribe. Mm. His, and their grief is just unbelievable. And you can almost see the moment uh, Bitate changes almost overnight and becomes a man. He yes. goes from being a, yeah. a kid, you know, to a man overnight and starts to organise the groups. And so they, they discovered that the, the best way to do, to fight back against this is not to fight back against the loggers, not to have warring parties or raids on them, but to document everything. And, and to do this, they get drones, they get high tech video equipment, they get all kinds of stuff that you don't expect to find in an Amazonian jungle village. Mm. And they document everything. And when they document everything, the media has no option but to look at what's happening because they're videotaping everything they're documenting everything they're documenting the camps they're documenting the fires the burning the everything that the the, the encroachment is happening they have it on, on camera and so it's much harder for the government then to, to turn their back on what's happening Yeah is this in cinemas or is this on streamers It's selected in it's selected cinemas Okay uh, and that is uh, The Territory is what that's called That's our lot for today uh, thanks to Fanula Jean and Arlene uh, Kieran's up next on News Talk our production team today Ashley Moore Sinead Keogh Claire Collins and Stephen McLoon We'll talk to you on Monday at 2 Have a lovely weekend Movies and Booze I'm Moncrief on News Talk